Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Is what we are here to exercise tonight. I want to ask you to open up your Bibles with me. We're going to look tonight in the book of Romans, perhaps the richest chapter in all the Bible in Romans chapter 8, and that, that is saying a lot because there are some chapters that are pretty rich, filled with revelation, understanding, with uh, dynamic power that can change the human life, but perhaps none greater than the book of Romans chapter 8, and in fact, uh, there was a, a time a few years back that I did a whole sermon series out of the book of Romans chapter 8, and uh, I don't remember how many weeks it was, but it took a long time just to get through one chapter because of how deep and how profound the truths are that are found in this chapter. We're going to read a a scripture tonight that I pray will encourage you. How many love to be encouraged tonight? See, the problem I see with many Christians is that as we serve the Lord over time, Sometimes we can come to a place of resignation. What do you mean by that, Pastor? I'm glad you asked because I'm about to tell you. The resigned believer is almost a contradiction in terms because the word resigned literally means to accept something that is unpleasant that one cannot do anything about. Resigned to the idea that my life has changed so much, it is not going to change anymore. My marriage has reached a point of inflexibility and it couldn't possibly get any better. There is a habit in my life that no matter what I do, no matter how much I try, no matter how much I pray and fast, it just seems to remain and hang on to cling to me. And what happens is, if we, over time, if we uh, see failures, if we see setbacks or disappointments, how many of you have had a few of those in life? The problem is not that, oh, God help us, it's not that we will never go through a failure or a disappointment or a setback. Everybody does. But the problem in those things is when the Christian begins to tell himself or herself, I guess this is just the way it's going to be. I guess this is just my lot in life. I guess that personality weird quirk of mine is just always going to be there and God will, is not going to change it. The resigned believer... 
Is it possible you've come into the service tonight and there is a piece of your life, there is a part of your heart, there is a habit that you are involved in that it's just always there. The danger is that we learn to accept those things that God wants to change. There are things tonight that God sees in your life that He wants to change. How many understand that nobody here is finished yet? Whether you've been saved for five minutes or for five decades, there are still things in you that need to change. Am I still the only one? That I recognize in myself that there are some deep disparities between who I am and who I need to be in Christ. And what that means tonight is that there is a difference between what God wants to do and what is actually happening in me. And the biggest reason why this happens, church, is when we become resigned. Well, I've tried before. Well, uh, that was a huge failure. Well, I guess I'm never going to be free, so I might as well learn how to live with it. And I believe tonight that God wants us to hear this message again and again. He wants to inspire you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to remind you tonight that no matter what it is in your life that needs to change, that He still has the power to change it. And so I want to preach about a life of victory from the book of Romans chapter 35. And I want to encourage you tonight, you don't have to keep taking the losses. You don't have to keep taking the failures. You don't have to keep continuing on in resignation, deciding that you're going to be the bad news bears every season. Did you ever go see the Harlem Globetrotters? I forget the name of the team that they always beat. Somebody remind me. Yeah, well, there's, there's one team especially they play in every, in every, uh, every time they have a, a show, and uh, guess what? They lose every game. Sometimes the Christians end up being like that team. We just think to ourselves, well, I guess I'm just not good enough. But I tell you tonight, we are going to see the victory. I chose that song tonight on purpose. Because we serve the God who does not know how to lose. We serve the God who is above every other power in heaven and on earth. And that is where the power of this Scripture makes, comes personally into our lives tonight. And I want you to taste of the victory that God has for you. So let's read together Romans chapter 8 beginning with verse 35. This is such a powerful verse, and I pray you will receive it tonight. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? Let me just remind you tonight, I don't think anybody here has faced those things in the last week. Maybe not in the last decade. Maybe not your whole life. Maybe some, some of those things. But most of us in the Western world, we don't face these kinds of things. The things that the Roman church was facing that day. But this is what Paul says. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine 
or nakedness, peril, or sword? Shall these things separate us from the love of Christ? Verse 36. For it is written, for your, uh, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, in all these things, everybody say, these things. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. Through Him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray tonight. Father, we come by the precious blood. I thank you for the Spirit of the living God. I'm praying tonight that that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that that Spirit would be alive in the potter's house in 2020, right now on June 24th. I pray that that same power that raised Him from the dead would breathe new life into these bodies and these marriages and these, uh, these homes and these children. God, that You would breathe your conquering power in us tonight. And we thank you for all that you're going to do in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, Amen. Amen. I want to uh, begin right here at the beginning where you should always begin. Paul said, in all these things. This is another one of those famous scriptures that gets taken out of context that gets put on bumper stickers and t-shirts and quilted into pillows. Uh, We are more than conquerors through Christ. Uh, And yet, we take the text and we love the text, but we forget the context. And so tonight, we have to remember that this powerful statement that is made about being more than conquerors is in the context of a church that is experiencing Lots of problems, deep and difficult problems, failures, setbacks, disappointments. How many have figured out already that the Christian life is not always one of perfect joy and happiness? That is the life which is to come, but that is not this life. In this world, many people uh, have the, the, the top of their list is just to be happy. I've even heard people say, just do whatever it takes to make you happy. If marrying that girl would make you happy, then do it. If divorcing that girl would make you happy, then do it. And the world places a high premium on the idea of happiness, but how many understand happiness is not the most important thing in your life? Happiness is fleeting. It's an emotion. And it is something that is so uh, so deceiving because we tell ourselves, if I get that raise, then I'll be happy. And then you get the raise, and there's still somebody making more money than you. Or we say to ourselves, if I could only uh, have that, that piece of material belonging, if I could just get that car, oh, then I'd be happy. But then guess what happens? You get the car, and somebody else has a better one. 
Or, uh, you know, you, you say, if I just get that gadget, man, this, this old phone is not doing me any good. If I just get that newer model that's fast and got that big old screen and, oh, the camera, oh, then I'd be happy. And then we get the new phone and it's, uh, it's out of date within two months and then we're not happy anymore. And we say, oh, if I could just have a few children, then I could be happy. And then we have the children and we say, oh, if I could get rid of these kids, oh, then I'd be happy. And we're always chasing this dream of happiness that it's just always beyond our grasp. And it's a pipe dream. We're searching for, for what Solomon called the pleasures of this world, which is vanity and passing away. The problem is that it's in the church too. If I could just be under the ministry of that dynamic preacher then I'd be happy. If we could just get into that building, wow, we'd be happy. Oh, if we could just uh, get, get the lighting and the sound system just right, oh, that would make Pastor happy. But how many understand we always run into the same problem, don't we? That we could always be just grasping for that idea of perfection and, and completion, but how many understand that in this world... We will never grasp it. We will never grasp it, at least in this world. The truth is tonight, something that is hard for us to face, is that even the best of us go through hard times. Even good Christians, even good, godly, faithful people who pay their tithe and attend church and they're a blessing to their pastor, even those people... Go through some hard stuff. Uh, just on Monday, I was, we were doing our Bible in brew, and I, I, uh, I was studying the Word of God, and I was, I was just speaking a little bit about how, how we are called, that even when we are going through hard times, that we are called to endure and to be faithful. And uh, I saw popped on the, on the uh, Facebook Live there that, uh, that uh, uh, Paul Peoples and his wife, and I'm always forgetting her name, sorry, Shakima, and uh, so Shakima popped on there, and she, she was on there, and you know, I was talking, and I, I saw that, and I thought about what they're going through right now. They have a little infant that's like six months old, had to have one of her eyes removed because of a cancerous tumor. If that's not bad enough for you, now the child is going through chemotherapy. Can you imagine what that would be? I mean, that's hard enough for somebody who's 65 years old you know, and have lived a whole life. But for a little baby, six months old, to be that parent of that child and to be going through that, to be wishing, I could not imagine all of the pain and suffering that that child is going through, wishing as a father or a mother, wishing that you could just, God, put it on me instead. But you can't. And these are not bad people. These are great people. And you look at situations like that and you, and you start to wonder, God, why do these things happen? God, if, if, if I'm a good person, if I'm doing what's right, then why do things like that happen? And the mystery of this sinful, fallen world is that sometimes good people go through bad things. Some of the best believers in the history of the world went through terrible things. Joseph is a great example. 
betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery, accused of, of, uh, of rape, and it, it, he didn't do it. Spent years in an Egyptian prison. All of these things. He was an innocent. He was a good boy, wasn't he? Father's favorite. He didn't deserve any of that. Daniel was put in the lion's den. Why? Because he prayed. Job lost everything that was important to him. Everything. His, his wealth, his family, his reputation. But you know, the greatest example of this, aren't you glad tonight that we have a Savior who can identify with the things that we go through? The greatest tragedy, the greatest heartbreak, the greatest disappointment that has ever occurred on planet Earth is Jesus, the perfect man, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. And what did He get for a sinless, spotless life? rejected by the world, went to the cross, a Roman execution, beaten and betrayed, beard pulled from his face, crown of thorns, nails in his hands and his feet. You talk about injustice, that is injustice. The greatest injustice that has ever occurred, and the reason why, God, would you allow a good person to experience bad things? Listen to what Jesus said. John 15, 20. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And Jesus sets up this expectation from the very beginning that if you want to follow me, if you want to call yourself a Christian, if you want to make heaven your home, if you want to follow me as I'm following the Lord's will, then know this, sometimes you're going to be called to go through some failures, disappointments, setbacks, problems, difficulties. And yet, our Scripture says, these things... Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword. These are the things that we are experiencing. Danger, difficulty, controversy, turbulence in our society, pandemics, flus, COVID-19. This has been probably the most turbulent year that I can remember in my lifetime. The last three or four months in the United States of America have been a painful time, haven't they? Economic turmoil. People have lost fortunes. Even now, as, as, the, as this is playing out, the economics of this and people who have lost their jobs and cannot recover, the suicide rate, no doubt, will, will spike. Soldiers coming home from war, killing themselves, three a day is the most recent number. Can you believe that? Three veterans every day taking their lives in suicide. And so we look at this fallen world and we look at the people around us and we look at the difficulties and the pain and we say, where is God in all of this? And that's where this Scripture becomes so stinking powerful. Because in verse 37, it said, yet in all these things in all these 
things. Let's break this down for just a moment. Tribulation is suffering and trouble of innocent people. Distress means extreme fear, sorrow, or pain. Persecution is an attack against the church. Famine is when there's no food left, when the pantry is empty. Nakedness is not just physical nakedness, but it's when people are stripped of their dignity in life. Peril means danger or serious immediate risk, and the sword means the true possibility that death is right around the corner. And yet, Paul says, all of these things are what you are going through, and yet, in all these things, yet, in all these things, I'm so glad that the Bible does not candy coat what life is supposed to be about. I'm so glad that the Bible doesn't hide the flaws of its heroes. That's how you know it's a a divine book and not a human book, right? Because if the book was written by men, it would have glossed over all of the flaws and the failures of the heroes, right? You remember that story about Noah getting drunk? After, after the whole uh, 40 days and the 40 nights. And, and then it says that he, got, he planted a vineyard and he got so drunk that he was wiped out in his tent without any clothes on. Now that's drunk. Now if that book was written by a good Jewish guy, he would not want everybody in the whole world to know this about Noah. And yet there it is. That's why we know it's a God book. If, if the book was written by men, we, we would not have the story of Abraham who, uh, who puts his wife on the chopping block and says, just tell him you're my sister. Come on, Abram, have a little faith, man. He betrays his own family. And so the heroes, we see their flaws glaring. And yet, in all these things, In all these things, the Bible says we are more than conquerors. Say it with me. More than conquerors. Let me ask you tonight. Does that describe your life? Does that describe your faith? Does that describe your Christian experience? Or have you become resigned to your flaws, to your failures, to your disappointment, to the peril, to the nakedness, to the problems? Have you become just resigned? I guess it's just going to be the way it's going to be. K Sarah, Sarah. Whatever will be, will be. I guess I'll just float through life like a tennis ball going down the gutter. Because that's where many Christians live. This idea of more than conquerors, for many people, is out of the realm of possibility. And that the reason is because people do not know the Word of God. That's really what it comes down to. is because people no longer read the Bible, they don't, and even if they read it, they only read it once a week on Sunday morning along with the preacher as he's talking about, Right? And even if they do read the Bible, many people read it but don't understand it. And even if you do understand it, there's a difference between understanding what is said and applying it to your own life and getting a personal revelation. See, when I read those words, in all these things, 
We are more than conquerors. Do you know what that tells me about you? It tells me that you have the possibility to conquer any foe, any problem, any danger. Now, I understand we don't live forever. <laughs> We're not, at least in this life, we're, you know, not every healing is going to happen. And yet, it doesn't change the fact that the promise that God has given us is that we ought to be living a conquering lifestyle. Conquering, and I'm not talking about, you know, uh, the, the, the conquistadors. It comes from the same word. You know, I'm not talking about being... Uh, being um, uh, what's the name of the guy? The barbarian who conquered the whole world at the time, or, or Alexander the Great who, who conquered, yeah, killing and conquering and, and pillaging. And, uh, it's not, that's not the kind of conquering we're talking about. We're talking about conquering the real enemies in your life. The ones that are in here. Things like lust. Things like dishonesty. Things like Fear. You know, you, the Bible gives us a promise that in all these things, in all these problems, that these, these things shouldn't be our excuses, but that in these things, we can be more than conquerors. What, is, what does it mean to be more than a conqueror? It means someone who overcomes. Someone who takes control. That's what a conqueror did, a conquistador. That's what they do. They would travel to new places and they would say, well... I'm in charge now. And he would dare people to, to defy that. And if you defy what I say, then I'm going to prove that I'm in charge because I'm going to bring my army and I'm going to take over this place. Right? And we look back in history and we know that there's a lot of problems with that and a lot of injustices that occurred. But that's what conquerors do. Can I tell you tonight that the Word of God calls you more than a conqueror? More than that. Greater than that. More powerful than that. That when you face a problem, a situation, a failure, a setback, a disappointment, that you can walk into that and say, you know what? I'm in charge here. In Jesus' name. I'm not going to let this thing control my mind. Control my thoughts. I'm not going to let this thing overtake me. I am so tired of the piddly little faith that many believers have. Oh, it's, it's too hard. I can't do it. Oh, my job is too hard. My family, my problems. Oh, pastor, I want to serve God, but I, I can't. Is that how conquerors speak? Is that how conquerors act? Let me give you a little uh, Greek lesson here. The word in Greek that is used here for conqueror is the word nikau. Nikau. But Paul doesn't just use the word nikau. He says hyper nikau. Over and above. Super duper. Uber conquerors. Alexander the Great, he was considered one of the greatest conquerors in history. 
He conquered lands from Greece all the way to the Himalayas in India. But you know, he died as a drunken fool, a slave to his own sins. He could not overcome the enemy that was in here. That's, you know, a conqueror can go into new lands and can, if they have the right place at the right time, the right power, the right structure, the right armies, the right governments. Yes, conquerors can do great things, but can I tell you, what Paul is calling us to is more than just political power. It is the power to overcome your flesh. The power to overcome the strategies of hell. The power to overcome the world. What does it mean, beloved, to live as more than a conqueror? It means that where there should be fear, instead, there is courage. You know, that could be you tonight. You can face situations that other people would cause them to run away and hide. But in Jesus' name, you can have courage. That when there is an unexpected pregnancy, instead of having fear for the future and going to the abortion clinic, you know, you say, I'm going to have courage. Where there should be a fear of, uh, oh no, I, I made a mistake, a, a pastor, is he going to kick me out of the church? Instead of being fearful and living in shame, maybe you should just confess your sins. That takes courage. That's what God said to Joshua. He said, every place that your foot will tread, I have already given to you, Joshua. Just be courageous. Just be strong and courageous. Do not fear. To be more than a conqueror means that where there should be shame, instead, there is boldness. I love the story of Peter and John. As they, uh, they go to the, uh, the, the beautiful gate there and they see the beggar on the side begging for, for money. They say, we don't have any money. But you know what we do have? In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And that particular miracle, which happened on a Sabbath day, got them in hot water with the local religious leaders. And they brought them before a council and they said, Peter and John, shame on you! Working on the Sabbath day, violating our Sabbath laws. And there's the man standing next to them, the one who had been crippled from his birth. He's standing next to them saying, hey, I thought it was a pretty good day. And yet, there they are, they, uh, the, all the religious leaders, they're looking at Peter and John saying, you know what? You better not speak in that name anymore. You better be quiet. You better shut up about Jesus. Can I tell you, the devil still says the same thing to you and I. Every single day, he says, you can say whatever you want, but don't talk about Jesus. Did you ever notice you can have a conversation with people about any topic, but as soon as the name of Jesus comes up, that's not a curse word, boy, the conversation just gets awkward. People can use the name of Jesus as a cuss word, and nobody ever notices, but as soon as you say, Jesus is my Savior, everybody goes, Ooh! Why is that? Because there's a demonic strategy. You better be quiet about your faith. You better not talk about Jesus. What, what it means to be more than a conqueror means where you ought to feel shame. Instead, there is boldness. 
bold like lions. Peter standing on the day of Pentecost and proclaiming the Gospel. That's boldness. That's what you ought to have. Where there should be confusion, instead, there is confidence. Where there should be bondage, instead, there is freedom. I think of Paul, who at the end of his ministry is there in prison. And yet, there he is, chained to the wall, and he is writing the very letters that fill your New Testament. Even though he is bound in chains, he still has more freedom than anybody, anybody who you can imagine. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10. Listen to what he says. I take pleasure in infirmities. Say what? I take pleasure in reproaches, in needs, in persecution, in distress. Why in the world? Are you crazy, Paul? Have you lost your mind? No, because he says, for Christ's sake, when I am weak, then I am strong. It's one of those paradoxes of the kingdom, isn't it? If you want to be first, you've got to be last. If you want to seek the kingdom, you have to give yourself up, right? You want to find out what's best for you, you have to give yourself up. These are those paradoxes in the kingdom. And this is one of them. It says, when I am weak, then I find strength. This is what it means to be more than a conqueror. Now, how do we do that? Do we do that just by chanting some incantation, by stringing together some perfect a group of words into a sentence, and if we say it in just the right way and with just the right attitude, that God will make you more than a conqueror? Oh, no. This is more than just foolish self-confidence today. This is confidence in Christ. We find the power to be more than conquerors. How? In verse 37, it says, through Him who loved us. Through Him. I'm not saying that you can get this power if you come to the potter's house. You can be more than a conqueror if you go to conference on Friday night. No, this kind of overwhelming, conquering power is available only through our Savior, Jesus. And when we begin to understand His power, then we will begin to understand who we are in Him. Listen carefully tonight, and we're going to wrap this thing up. You and I, we must have confidence in our faith. To be more than a conqueror. Do you think that Alexander the Great, when he came into a new land, he came in there and he's like, oh, hey guys, uh, uh, I was wondering if it's okay, if it wouldn't be uh, too much of a problem if I kicked you all out and I took over. Please? No, Alexander the Great didn't do that. He broke in with sword on a horse and said, now I'm in charge. Right? And here's my army to back it up. He had confidence, not only in himself, but in his, in his forces that supported him. And Christians, I believe that we could, we could benefit from having some confidence. 
Say, no, devil, you are not going to take control of my mind today. Oh, no, you don't. You know why? Because I'm more than a conqueror through Christ who loved me. He don't love you, devil. He loves me. That's why he's made me more than a conqueror. We need to have this confidence. But, <clears throat> but don't confuse this tonight with ego. Don't confuse this with self-confidence like <clears throat> Peter puffing out his chest and saying, Oh, Lord, I'll go with you even to the death. That was a self-confidence. Don't confuse it tonight. The confidence, the boldness, the courage that we must have is only in Him. It is in relationship to Him. When we find relationship with Christ, that's where we gain our strength. This is what Paul is talking about. He says, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What he's saying tonight is that because He is close to us, because He is in us and we are in Him, that gives us the right to say, you know what? I don't have to put up with this. I don't have to forever be a slave to this habit, little sin, this little pet that I keep running around in my mind. I don't have to continue to be the way I've always been. I don't have to let the sins of past generations affect my life today. Because Christ is in me and I am in Christ and there is power in the name of Jesus. In Christ, we can live an overflowing Christianity. Overflowing. This is what Jesus said to His disciples in John 15. This is the Last Supper as He is giving them His final instructions before leaving earth. And His words to them in John 15, verse 4, were these, Abide in me, and I in you. The word abide means to make your home. Make your home in me, and I will make my home in you. That means Christ in me, me in Christ. Why? Because as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, and he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do what? Nothing. All of your strength and all of your ability and all of your education added up and put it together, it means nothing without Christ. Can you feel that? Because if Christ is not in us, if we are not in Him, then it all is vanity. It's all passing away and it's meaningless. Like a blade of grass. But if we live in Him and He lives in us, then there is nothing in this world and nothing above this world and nothing below this world that can ever take you from His hand. And that means you can walk through this life with courage and with confidence 
And you can face every foe and every difficulty and every problem and say, I am more than a conqueror. Say it tonight. I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who loves me. So why are you letting the world beat you up? Why are you being downtrodden? Why are you finding yourself in depression and in submission to the enemy? So why does the church find itself so powerless? Do you have this kind of overcoming Christianity? Or have you just become resigned to the idea that Christians should always be defeated and depressed? Boy, let's go to that church. We'll put it on the doorway, defeated and depressed. I'm sure everybody will want to come. I want to encourage every Christian here, every believer. How many of you, you have you've found salvation through Jesus Christ? Let me see your hand if your sins are forgiven tonight. If your hand is in the air, I want you to understand, you, don't, you are not powerless. You don't have to be the doormat of life. You don't have to be beneath. He did not make us to be the tail, but to be the head. He did not make us to be forever in failure, but to gain the victory. He did not make us to forever be wandering in depression. I know there are seasons of life. I know that not every season is fun or victorious or, or powerful. But I want, to under, I want you to understand that you can be an overcomer. You can overcome things in your life. You can work through problems. You can process difficult things. Don't be satisfied with being fearful, shameful, confused, depressed, and defeated. You don't have to stay there forever. You might be passing through for a little while, but you don't have to stay there. My favorite quote from one of the guys that are trying to tear his statue down, Winston Churchill. He said, if you're going through hell, keep going. Don't get stuck there. Don't stay there forever. You might stay a night or two, but you better keep going. You better remind yourself, you better understand that you are in Christ and Christ is in you, and that means that you are more than a conqueror tonight, and you will overcome if you will have faith tonight. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. My prayer that every believer here that you would walk into the destiny, the purpose, the future that God has for you. My prayer tonight is that you would not be resigned forever to the fact that things are the way they are and they will be the way they will be. The Eeyore Christians, oh bother. You say, I guess it'll always be the same. Let it not be here tonight. There is power available. The same power that raised Christ from the dead. You say, Pastor, is that power? Well, you can't do that, can you? Perhaps the most powerful man in the, in, in the, in the entire world, the polit politics, is 
the, uh, the President of the United States, he has so much power in the ability to create laws and execute the laws and to make policy decisions and to control America's vast military power. And, and There's a lot of power resting in one man, but I'll tell you tonight, it is nothing compared to the power that is in Christ. The power to be raised from the dead, that same power that is available to you tonight to overcome your fears, your failures, your disappointments, your setbacks, the strategies of hell. Yeah, you're going to face some of these things, persecutions, trouble, fearfulness, nakedness, famine. You know the list. You're going to face some of these things. And yet, in all these things, He makes us to be more than conquerors tonight. My prayer is that you be inspired right now. And before we do anything else, I wonder if you're here tonight, you're not right with God. The ways of this world have overcome you. The strategies of hell, you have believed the lie. You swallowed that pill that said, if I, if I chase this dream, then oh, I'll just be happy. The devil lied to you and he said, if you fulfill the lust of your flesh, then you'll be happy. There's a way that seems right to a man, but it always leads to destruction, pain, and separation from God. What you desperately need before you leave this place is you need to be saved. Saved from your sin, but even more, to be saved from God's wrath and His judgment. There is a real God, and He is a real judge, and there is a real punishment for sins. God doesn't want that for you. I don't want that for you. And I pray tonight that your heart would turn from sin this evening. Say, Pastor, I don't know. I don't know if I'm right with God. I don't know where I stand with God. Well, let's make it known tonight. If you're here and you know that your sin has you bound like a slave, and what you need more than anything else, you need a salvation. You need a Savior. Cry out to Him tonight. If you be honest and recognize that you don't live in Him and He don't live in you, you know that because the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, you know that these things are not being produced in your life. You can receive it tonight. If you believe in all your heart and you confess Him as Lord, then the Bible says you will be saved. This is the promise of scripture and before you leave this place you can be transformed is there someone here you need that tonight you say you would recognize your need for a savior god's going to set you free i wonder if you would just do one thing for me you'd lift up your hand and say yes please remember me pastor in prayer i need salvation tonight is that you quickly you can be transformed lift up your hand so i can see it maybe you're online you need what I'm talking about. Would you respond tonight, right now? Would you say, yes, remember me in prayer. I need a Savior. Maybe you're backslidden and you're like Jonah. You ran from God. God asked you to do something and you turned away from God. Ran the other direction. Time to come home. Is there a prodigal son or daughter who's under the sound of my voice, running from God even now? And you say, please, please, God, forgive me. I want to come home. Is that you? Quickly. Anyone at all? Quickly tonight. You respond. 
by lifting up your hand. Is that you? Quickly, quickly tonight as God speaks. Oh, God, help us tonight. Let me speak then to believers in this place. I believe there are far too many Christians who are resigned to the idea that you're always going to be this way. There's really no point in continuing or contending for freedom. Oh, my life, I've, I've tried too many times, Pastor, and been disappointed. How many altars have I been to and I haven't seen a real change? See, that's fear speaking. That's discouragement and depression speaking. But can you hear the voice of God tonight crying out, I have made you to be more than a conqueror? Stop making your excuses. It's time for us to walk in the victory and the confidence that comes through the Holy Spirit. To be people of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and self-control. And if God is speaking to you tonight, I want to pray with you here at this altar. There's space up here at the altar for us to pray. We can, we can come and we can stay distanced from each other. Or if you'd rather pray there at your seat, you can do that right now. But let's stand right now. Let's recognize that God wants to give us a word tonight. God wants to speak to us. It's not enough just to say, oh, nice past, nice sermon, Pastor. Yeah, you, you really spoke to me. No, let's take a step of obedience tonight, a step of faith, and say, I recognize areas. There's a difference between who I am and what God wants me to be. And I want to see that change occur right now. In Jesus' name. As we sing the song of worship. When the dawn is born, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Serve those only how to triumph. Oh, my God will never fail. Yes, my God. Oh, my God will I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, There's power in the mighty name of Jesus. Every war he wages, he will win. I'm not backing down from any giant. I know how this story ends. I know. Yes, I know how this story is. I'm going to see, I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to 
specific need in prayer. I'm going to ask some people to come forward if this applies to you. Because, see, the problem is that we, when we become resigned to some behavior or some part of ourselves that just doesn't seem to change. See, what that really is, when you peel away all the excuses, what that is, is disobedience. It really just comes down to a refusal to obey God. When there is a difference between who you are and who God wants you to be, what happens is we end up making excuses for our own disobedience against God. And what happens when people do that, how many know you are able to justify yourself? How many understand? You, you realize that you can justify almost anything in your life? And guess what? You can even find a, a scripture that supports it. Well, see, there, Pastor, here, here's a person who also struggled what I struggle with, so I'm just going to keep on struggling. See, the human capacity to, to explain away or to justify ourselves is unbelievable. 
And what happens tonight is when we become resigned to the idea of disobedience, then our hearts become hardened against God. And that's dangerous, isn't it? We become like Pharaoh. Pharaoh who hardened his heart against the words of God. I don't want that for you. The Bible says that your heart can become calloused. A conscience that has been seared. No longer able to feel. I don't know about you, but I want to stay sensitive to God. I want to stay obedient to Him. And when there are times of disobedience, and when I do turn away from God or His will for my life, I want God, I want to feel it. I want to know that I'm in the wrong so I can get right again. And so tonight, what I want to pray for, and I'm not going to ask, ask you all to respond. Uh, I don't want to embarrass anybody tonight. But my, what I'm believing is that there's some people here that as I'm speaking right now, you're realizing that there's an area in your life that you know is recalcitrant. What I mean by that is it, it's stuck. It doesn't seem to be making any progress. You've tried before. You've prayed. God set me free. But it remains. So I want to pray a prayer right now of victory. I want to pray a prayer of deliverance. And whatever that sin is, whatever that disobedience is, you need to claim it. You need to, uh, you need to call it out. You need to confess it to God. And God's going to speak to us tonight. Are you ready? Let's lift up our hands just like this. I want you to say these words. God in heaven, God in heaven. I thank you. For the, blood of Jesus for the blood of Jesus and for the Holy Spirit, for the Holy Spirit who raised Christ from the dead. Right now, I recognize the incredible power that is available to me to overcome every enemy, every failure, every setback, every sin, every disobedience. I have no excuses. To remain in my sin. To continue to disobey. Because that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is alive in me. And so I'm asking you now to deliver me from this sin, from this habit, from this mindset that holds me back. I proclaim tonight that I am more than a conqueror through Christ who loves me. And you help me tonight to be the person you've called me to be. Leave the old man behind and to be a new creation. Every day, changing into the glory and the likeness of my Lord and Savior. Help me to abide in Him and Him in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give Him praise tonight. Father, we thank You. Oh, we praise You tonight. Thank You, Father. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody just got free. Somebody just got free. 
And it's not enough just to have a moment of spiritual victory. You got to walk in that victory. You got to take that with you tonight. You got to start tomorrow morning and say, I'm still more than a conqueror. And when you face temptation, and no doubt you will, see, it's easy when we're all together right here, you know, like praying together and singing together. Oh, it's easy to serve God when we're here together. The real test is when you go and you're on your own and the enemy's got you in his sights and the temptation flares again and you have to proclaim in that moment, no devil, I am still more than a conqueror. That Christ is still in me and I am still in him and you have no place. And when your flesh begins to cry out and when the world begins to place pressure on you, no, I'm still more than a conqueror and I am still going to walk in victory. The Bible never promised that it's going to be easy. You didn't hear that from this pulpit. You didn't hear that Christianity is going to be a cakewalk. No, you've heard quite the opposite, haven't you? In many ways, it makes your life harder, not easier. But, he said, I'll always be with you. There is nothing in this life that can separate you from the love of God. So you walk in that victory tonight. I want to say thank you for being here tonight. I want to say how much we appreciate this congregation. You are a blessing. And I am very, very excited about what the future holds. The next six months are going to be a landmark time in the history of this church. As we uh, are getting this building ready and as we are going to see, I, I believe we're going to see victory. We're going to see power. We're going to see re revival. And I want to encourage you to, to be prepared in your heart for that. That's part of why we are in this time of prayer and fasting. And hey, can I be honest with you? <clears throat> does, this, does this service feel a little bit different than the last few services? It does to me, for some reason. I know what the reason is. Prayer and fasting. So I want to encourage you, we've got a few more days of our seven days of prayer and fasting that's going to finish up on Saturday. There's still a lot of slots available. I want to encourage you to go to, I'll send them out one more time. Go and sign up for a few slots. 24 hours of prayer. Take a few days and fast. I know it ain't fun, but it's worth it. And I want to encourage you to live in the faith. Be strong and courageous. And let's live for God. Let's see what He will do. Speak about Jesus. Speak about Him. Amen. We're going to close in prayer tonight. I do, uh, once again, just want to say how much I appreciate you all. What a good thing God is doing here tonight. Let's close in prayer, asking God's blessing as we go out from this place. Amen. Brother Stephen, you, you're on the front row. You get praying tonight. Prayer right now. <laughs> Father, we come to you, Lord. We thank you for the victory even now, Lord. And uh, may we walk in that victory tomorrow morning, Lord. Yes. Tomorrow, Lord. May what we've heard tonight be uh, a real victory for us, Lord. And, and may we be used of you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website, vvph.org, and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God 
I love people.